This is your moment, Derek. It all comes down to this. You're not the same man you were this morning, are you, Derek? You're better. You're stronger. You're a man in control of your destiny. I wonder. Psych yourself up, Derek. You're not going to bag groceries all of your life, are you, Derek? Are you? See yourself being a hero. Psych yourself up. Like Freud. Nami orekio. Nami orekio. Nami orekio. Can you do it, Derek? Can you see it, Derek? Can you see it? Yes. Yes. I can see it. Now. I was surprised by this movie. In many ways. <laughs> I to say, I was regretting my decision. I, I think this would be something I'd share to my kids. Oh, it's good to hear. I think it's about a father's love for his child. Oh, absolutely, yes. And uh, a complete stranger's love for that man's child. <laughs> wore really ugly outfits. <laughs> Puke yellow, prom night, pale blue, you know. I, I don't even know <laughs> yeah. where to start Definitely with this film. Definitely not a movie I would consider watching unless you tell me to. Hello, I'm Derek. And I'm Peter. And this is The Mog. In this podcast, one of us suggests a beloved movie from our childhood for the other to watch. And then we talk about it. What made us laugh? What made us cry? And whether or not it explains our fear of little people. Yeah, this is this is your phobia, though. Check the trunk. There may be villainous little people in there. <laughs> <laughs> no, but except for the Game of Thrones guy, who I always forget the name of. Oh, Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage. <laughs> um, we have a movie, don't we? That's what this podcast yeah. is about. So tell me what it is, Derek. It's one of mine. It's Inner Space from 1987. Whereas I'd like to call it a short story on not being a Quaid. Or, <laughs> <laughs> um, or Microsoft Cock. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's gold. <laughs> oh man. Um, all I had was in a space, Martin gets shortchanged. <laughs> the Microsoft. <laughs> I actually had another one. I couldn't. I had a, just like a brain fart of a whole bunch of good, good ones. Oh, well, nice. I thought that they were good ones anyway, because I also had Steven Spielberg presents a case for contraceptives. Oh, nice! Steven Spielberg presents because there's so much bodily fluid that gets exchanged in this movie, and this guy moves around like a venereal disease. Oh yeah, yeah, true. But I'll give a synopsis for this. So, um, hapless hypochondriac store clerk Jack Putter, Martin Short, must foil criminals to save the life of Tucker Pendleton, Dennis Quaid, who, miniaturized in a secret experiment, was accidentally injected into him. Meg Ryan plays a journalist girlfriend to Tucker, Lydia Maxwell. That's as much <laughs> as I have for Meg Ryan because she really has. So, uh, yeah, um, I'm very confused about Meg Ryan in this film. Yeah, it's a strong character, but yeah, I don't know what you mean. It's sort of, yeah. I know what it is because I was talking to Alicia about it. I said, what did you think of Meg Ryan? And she went, meh. And I agree because it's like in one half they try to make her a strong character. 
you know, and that, you know, I think the 80s, the only way that they could make a strong female character was to make them a journalist. Oh, yeah. Sort of like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, April O'Neil. Like you think about it, like you know, Superman as well. Ah, oh, yes. Yeah, Lois Lane. Yeah, yes, yes. Um, basically, it's the only role that a woman can have if they actually want to be strong. Well, it's ideal in storytelling because journalists are inquisitive and they always ask questions. And so it's a good way to move your story forward. Yeah. But I mean, the thing is in this. <laughs> is that she isn't very strong character as well because our wonderful Dennis Quaid's character is quite the ladies' man, i got to say. Yeah. But we'll get to that. Um, We will. (laughs) So, a bit of background. This is actually Joe Dante who directed Gremlins and Explorers. Yeah. Which is a similar sort of movie, really. He also did The Burbs, which is a great one we'll have to do. And uh, Looney Tunes, Back Ah. in Action, which I added because it was completely random. (laughs) Well, he's got all of this sort of Looney Tunes stuff going throughout his movies. The sound effects and, you know, Bugs Bunny was in this and... Young children. Young children. (laughs) (laughs) There's this thing about Steven Spielberg and young children films. Like, he's got to have them in his films. I'm just saying. But um, this was Martin Short, who I love. I really love Martin Short. Yeah, well, uh, like, I must admit, I've never been a big fan. And then I saw Jiminy Glick. And that's (laughs) just before. Well, I saw him before that. But yeah, you you Um, reminded me of him. Because I was just like, oh, Martin Short. He just plays this, you know screaming character but mm. that but jiminy glick is such an awesome character oh yeah absolutely and he, like i know what you mean there was the last film which was three amigos and he was the weaker one because that was steve martin you know that was yeah steve. yeah yeah and, and uh, um, chevy, chevy chase yeah, everyone's yeah. favorite actor to work with and they all were on working together on saturday night live but mm. this was his sort of big boost i think this film Oh, right. Mustn't have done very well for him because um, it bombed at the box office, didn't it? Yeah, it's a bit strange. Hey, it's really hard because this was executive produced by Spielberg. I didn't even Mm. realize that. Yeah, I didn't either until Um, his name showed up. Yeah. And John Carpenter was originally um, billed to direct this. Oh, really? Yeah, for the horror. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it would have been such a different film. He probably would have. They probably would have introduced the concept where the guy expands inside someone's body. Oh yeah, he's like he. They talked about it at the end, but he actually shoots that. <laughs> that's the, what? That's the ending. Oh really? No, 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 no. I'm just making oh. that up. John Carpenter would shoot that <laughs> yeah, ending. Yeah, <laughs> that you, as the you ending. got me again, Mister <laughs> Mister Martin Short exploding out with guts and blood everywhere. Oh my god! No, I was thinking more. Mister Igo gets you know injected with um dennis quaid's character (laughs) he has that has got to be one of the worst character names in existence tucker pendleton Pendleton. yeah it's It's like completely forgettable Mm. but he sells it he does dennis is tuck he he really tries he really (laughs) tries you got you just got to forget about everything after the tuck and this was screen written by Jeffrey Bohm, who did Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. <laughs> yeah, uh, but it was originally a script from Chip Prozer. Yeah, I don't know anything about Chip. He hated the film. It looks like like uh, there's a quote that says he never. Uh, I never actually have been to sit through it all at once. Oh. They don't pay me to watch this crap. Oh. Like H. L. Hewley, I wear a mask to cash the check. So wow. he, he's a real big fan of this film. 
Well, apparently it was completely rewritten by Bohm. <laughs> yeah. And the guy also said it was just a ripoff of um, some other film oh, about going into someone's body. Yeah. But also, speaking of ripoffs, the music is by Jerry Goldsmith. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> That's classic. He's, a, he's just like the... What, what is the modern one that we have now? Uh, like Howard Shore or something in those days. Oh, you mean the for scoring? Yeah, like music's <laughs> always written by. There's like three people who write music in Hollywood at the moment. It's yeah, like back then, Zimmerman. Zimmerman. That's it, Hans <laughs> Zimmerman. Hans yeah, Zimmerman. yeah, Hans. Um, but he's First Blood and Total Recall. I, I love his music, man. Yeah, but it's all very familiar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Star Trek. He was in our Star oh, Trek Star one Trek as well. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, it was Star Trek 1. Oh, no, I just meant 2 as in like T. Oh, as well. As well. Yeah. <laughs> but um, the special effects in this was uh, Dennis Muren, who uh, went on to do Terminator 2, Jurassic Park and Star Wars. It's crazy. Yeah. Industrial Light and Magic, isn't it? Yeah. Yep, yeah. Yep, yep. And a bit of trivia for you, um, talking about Dennis Quaid's character. Meg Ryan and Dennis Quaid got married when they met on the set of this film. Yeah, it's amazing. Hey, ninety one. So bizarre. Uh, and she was twenty six here. She was pretty young. Oh, was she? Yeah, yeah. Twenty six isn't young for a woman in the eighties. <laughs> She's pretty much at the end of her career, isn't oh. she? She was probably one of the exceptions. <laughs> I think she was in Top Gun before this, and like, yeah, this was her big one as well. Top Gun. I don't think she was in Top Gun. She was someone's wife in Top Gun, I think. Oh. Was she? Yeah, oh. like a minor role, nothing. Oh, right, yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Know that. And this actually won Best Special Effects. Mm. Um, but 1987 in movies, it was The Last Emperor who won uh, Best Picture. Um, best actor was Wall Street, Michael Douglas. And actress was Cher with Moonstruck. But it was like, yeah. there's lots going on in this year. Evil Dead 2, Police Academy 4, Citizens on Patrol. <laughs> We've done a few of the movies that from 1987, didn't we? Um, oh, I can't remember now. Spaceballs, I think it was. Space Predator Balls. as well. Mm. Um, yeah, and Poltergeist. Was it Poltergeist? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I, I can't know remember one. now. You know, once once you've done the research, it just goes out your head afterwards. Good Morning Vietnam was this year as well. Um, Robocop. Oh, The Princess Bride. Dirty Dancing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Man. A lot of our mugs are on this there one. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but what's your background with this film? Um, oh, that's a good question. How has this movie touched me? <laughs> um, I remember that I saw this with my dad and brother in the cinemas and I spoke with them and we went and saw it like in the city. And um, it's sort of, I just love the Martin short comedy of this one. It just really stuck with me. And I was, I had a big crush on Meg Ryan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can understand. I can respect that man. And she was in like You Got Mail and Sleepless in Seattle and yeah. all of that stuff, rom-coms. What is it about You Got Mail? Because I, I actually like that film and I can't understand why. No. Is it just because it's uh, Tom Hanks and Yeah, Mick but it's Ryan? also New York. I don't know. It's something about that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I don't know what it is about her either. She's like... I guess she's got this sort of girl next door quality. Uh, there's a vulnerability to her. Yeah, that's, that's true. Really she's got very pink lips. Oh, she does. So very 80s in this. The makeup's crazy. <laughs> but um, it's she's it's, she's also independent, I think. Mm. And um, humorous. Like she can, 
she's got good comedic timing i think yeah yeah that's true and i love sci-fi so yeah the nanotech really sort of yeah well the effects were really good in this yeah and it was a nice change like after all the space is it's good to have a different sort of frontier to imagine yeah and with his music you would expect there to be like a half an hour section of them going through all the fat cells of the body through the body um (laughs) with this you know mysterious music like they had in star trek (laughs) half an hour slow motion picture yeah but dad commented that the popcorn and soft drink were just as expensive as the tickets (laughs) 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 when we went saw it in the 80s do you have any memories of seeing this Uh, No, I don't. I know about it. I've seen it. I think when I was looking at this, it it was successful in video. Uh, That's what made it successful. And I was probably one of those people. You know, we got it out on video or it was on television or something and we saw it then. Because I don't really have a great, uh, like a real strong memory of this. But it is a movie that if you talked about the 80s would be one that pops into my head. So, was it like what, what made you pick this film? Um, oh, it was really just like a very memorable film that I saw in the in the cinema, just when he was inserted into him and just that different, uh, the special effects really blew you away. But Martin mm. Short's comedy as well. I right, really, right. I really like that. <laughs> <laughs> and in re-watching it, he's gold, man. I really like him. Oh, so, really? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There is, some, there is some really good lines in this. Yeah, the dialogue, I guess, as well. Mm. But I was too young to even latch on to any of that. Mm. Well, I mean, you know, there was a nice vibrator scene in this as well, wasn't there? <laughs> yeah. Just for the adults. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, what's your act one for this then? Um, no excitement. Doctor's orders. <laughs> ah, I had act one is the loneliest number. Toxic masculinity. <laughs> what's that? I don't get uh, it. Act one is the loneliest number it'll come back it'll come back uh, in the next few acts but oh i see okay gotcha gotcha <laughs> one is the loneliest number <laughs> and it's you know they're all on their own in this oh so, gotcha, you know yes. martin short's on his own dennis uh, quaid's on his own uh, yeah gotcha. yeah there's a lot of going on in that statement i i really think these things through you see yeah, 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 yeah. when i yeah, actually I like do it, it. <laughs> But yeah, I had no idea Spielberg was in this and then his first name just pops up with his yeah. first name. <laughs> it's almost like a requirement for Steven Spielberg. Yeah, in the 80s. I got to remind you guys that I'm to do with this picture. Yeah. They do that with like Guillo del Toro films now um, and some others as well where they actually don't, they're not actually the people who write or direct the film. Yeah. I get the vibe that this was just like a very successful looking script that was floated and they were trying to find someone to make it, but it, Spielberg didn't have time. <laughs> so, it came down it's to Joe Dante. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bit strange too that, you know, it was a script that really people really wanted to sell and then, you know, the script writer comes in and just trashes it and rewrites it as a comedy. Yeah. But my like my first comment for this film was Dennis the douche. Oh, he's wasted and yeah, yeah. Oh, man, like uh, <laughs> like did you relate to him in any way shape or form? Um well, see I know, no, definitely not. I was more in line with Martin's character, <laughs> the geeky yeah, hypochondriac. Yeah. yeah, because I mean he the I want to call him Dennis throughout this film, but it's a uh, Tucker. 
like Tucker's development in this film is not what I would call um, amazing. His personal journey. His character arc, no. Yeah, his his development really is that he realizes, should I spoil it now? You can. I think I will, that Lydia is pregnant. Yeah. That's really what turns him around to marry her, I think. Well, he was heartbroken. He was heartbroken that she left him because he was an asshole. Mm. That's true. Yeah, That's yeah. That's very true. I mean, like his, his, of course, um, the way that he managed to keep her with him is to say, you know, you love me. <laughs> yeah. Power of personality. Perfect man for the 80s. He's just like indicative of, of that attitude of this is the type of guy that anyone would want to end up with. But they do sort of explore that a little bit with the Martin Short side of that love story because he's the weaker sort of, not weaker, but more um, gentle soul and he falls in love with her as well. Yeah. And so it's it's sort of playing both sides a little bit. Well, yeah, it's a it. bit it is a bit weird. <laughs> oh, it's strange. Yeah. <laughs> That's why it's a Derek film. <laughs> but I love the music with Jerry Goldsmith. Like it's like the synths. It's, it starts off with that ice cube thing and it's just like, yeah, I don't know. Oh, yeah, that's right. And you see Meg and she's got this massively 80s hairdo <laughs> puffed up fringe slicked oh, back man. with moose geometric earrings oh. Lydia yeah but she did have the nice um she wore a lot of what are they called tube neck things tube you know tube top well yeah. it was more sort of yeah it was like a corset type dress yeah mm. with strapless yeah strapless that's what yeah I mean. man like the 80s was in it, just like an amazing era for fashion. It's so distinctive, hey, and it's so yeah, awful. far removed from the 70s. Like the 70s awful. was... <laughs> like you look at fashion now and people bypass 80s in everything. Except for me. Except for me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you, you're the embodiment of the 80s, man. I went know. to Human League uh, and uh, Pseudo Echo. <laughs> Who do Funky Town? Do you remember that? They played as support, and I wore a jacket with my sleeves rolled up, <laughs> and the sneakers with the black and the square. Did you glasses. have the tweed tweed shoulder pad? I had jacket. this heavy sh- shoulder padded jacket, oh, and man. I was the only one who dressed up. Oh, <laughs> no, um, not even the guy that I went with dressed up. <laughs> <laughs> it quickly disappeared. I'm not with him. I'm not with him. Yeah. Well, but the thing is, the 80s, like the the key defining attribute of wearing 80s attire is actually to be alone. <laughs> True, yeah. One is the loneliest number. Yeah, well, I went to um, an 80s music night, like there was an 80s DJ who was my uncle and ever, and people dressed up for an 80s night. And there was like a defining characteristic for dancing in the 80s. Yeah. And that was, don't look at anyone else. Oh. Stand on your own and dance like there is no one else around you with an extremely serious face. <laughs> and make sure you're wearing like a tennis outfit or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I know this move now that you're talking about. Mm. But I also had the, the side 
side sway, the one, two, but with the click. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> you know, the click on either side. And they do this in this film. It's yeah, glorious. they do. <laughs> with with Ro- what is it, Robert Picardo? Oh, all I can think of him is the dude from Star Trek. Oh, yes. Because it cuts to him and he's like spinning around. Like he's not doing the two-step. He's got no rules. <laughs> he's I love got, that, man. That's it. He's got the rules of the cowboy. But um, we're back to the the beginning of the film. Yeah, the actual film. Um, yeah. So it's Tuck Pendleton is the main character, and he's uh, he's wasted, and he's trying to, you know, he's trying to get back with Lydia. And but he's of, with her at the time. Yeah, but you can tell that it's strained because mm. um, she wants to leave, and then he puts on Sam Cook, Cupid, uh, straight to my love's heart, and uh, I love that use of this music. It's very Sam Cook. Uh, movie because they have later on Twisting the Night Away, which is also Sam Cooke. Oh. And it's really just sort of, it sets that mood. I don't know. There's something about that. Showing my ignorance. I don't even know who Sam Cooke well, is. Well, he did so. What a Wonderful World, you know. Um, oh, really? Don't know much about his story. Don't know much about biology. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. So, he's got yeah, these yeah. really big hits and like mm. you can just tap into a mood, I think, with something like that, which is what... Right. It's very positive and uh, energetic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that and makes sense. Quaid reminds me a bit of Harrison here, like a sort of like a cross between Harrison and Jack Nicholson. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Jack Nicholson, Meg Ryan in the poster looks a bit like the Joker. <laughs> Tim Burton's Joker in the Batman. A little bit. Something about it. Man, uh, I can't imagine a scarier combination than Jack Nicholson and Harrison Ford. <laughs> Because Harrison Ford, when he talks to women, he's super aggressive. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's my wife? My family. My family. <laughs> so, yeah, then you see him naked in the next thing and he's ripped, man. Abs of steel in Seattle. And I like the the uh, taxi driver's comment that, you know, I'm glad you didn't lose your purse. <laughs> and uh, that dude's in like all of Joe Dante's. He's in everything. Yeah. He's in every film. <laughs> And it cuts to Martin Short in Silicon Valley and he's got the same haircut as Meg Ryan. <laughs> I just love that. Uh, except his hair was longer, I think. <laughs> and he's in the doctor's office, so it sets him up as a hypochondriac. Yeah. I've seen worse hypochondriacs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's it, the slapstick's pretty bad to start off with, I must admit. Like he sort of... He, Hits the table with his knee and it's over the top. Oh, yeah. That was not a good setup, I don't think. No. But the thing is, is they have actually really good supporting cast in this film. Yeah. Like, the Doctor, I thought, was really good. Yeah. His lines were awesome. Like, he, well, like he said, you're the cornerstone of my medical practice. It's awesome. <laughs> Such a dry, like, straight guy to play off yeah, as yeah. well. I like all that stuff. And the Tuck Pendleton machine... Uh, <laughs> oh my god so it's all about self-abuse in that he's just like whacking himself and oh man i don't even know where that came from that must have been ad-libbed yeah maybe but there's a bit of the spielberg influence here because that's the one take he does that in the mirror and then it moves back to the wide shot and then sweeps to the room into the oh i didn't notice um, that yeah really good blocking there i love that stuff it's mm. so 80s and you don't see it that much anymore <laughs> it is good it does show a level of technical capability but it keeps you like on that shot because like it starts off with him whacking his face but then you see oh he's in this lab and oh there's a mission <laughs> it's like it yeah, moves it so yeah. quickly and he does a selfie with a 
the Kodak? Yeah, with the Polaroid. The Polaroid, that's it. Yeah, yeah. This is the scientist. <laughs> so crazy. And I thought the, you know, the scientist, Aussie, I thought that was like, it must have been someone involved in the making of the film. I thought it might have been the director, but it was the cinematographer in the in previous films. Oh, uh, right. Because he definitely can't act. <laughs> good, good luck. There, there shouldn't be any surprise. Good luck. <laughs> no. But he plays a scientist well, I guess. Yeah. Well, I, I think if you're playing a bumbling, um, a bumbling character, it's kind of easy to stuff up your lines yeah, and get yeah, away with it. Yeah. But the cockpit looks so cool with the lighting and the dials. I love mm. all that stuff. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And there's a real important thing in all of those films uh, during the 80s was that nothing could work exactly right. So they always flick. Have you noticed how they're always flicking lights? And they tap them, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Tap them. oh no, it looks all right now. <laughs> it's just like, oh god, yeah, that's and it. And the Jerry Goldsmith score starts to soar. You know, it's got that mission vibe. <laughs> <laughs> but there's so there's like two prerequisites. Uh, another prerequisite for the '80s is that they have to have computers lining all the walls. Yeah, with true. lights everywhere, and they have to have crap loads of paper so that when the wind blows paper oh, goes everywhere that's the one thing i didn't notice yeah nice <laughs> and the robotic arms actually that's oh, so yeah <laughs> yeah oh man it's that they, they like completely overdid it with the robotic arms they even make a joke about it at the end with i love guy. that but um there's lots of women scientists so i was i was impressed by that yeah yeah um i didn't notice but that that's true that's great <laughs> Uh, I, I support women scientists. <laughs> and there's the centrifuge, which was very last starfighter, Death Blossom. Oh, yeah, that's true. Bringing all the mugs together. Yeah. The bad guys come in in the phone repair van. Um, and then we meet Snap-on, the BMW driver with black gloves. <laughs> Snap-on. And he's even, his name is even like that. It's like, I go. I go. I didn't even know how to write that down. I thought it was like a... I just wrote, I go. Apple thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like the 80s bad guy music. He's like <laughs> so literally good. the Terminator without yeah. being the Terminator. And so they gas everyone and they're trying to take over and steal the chip, steal the nanotech. Yep, and the guy escapes. There's a really good chase scene here, actually. I was really impressed. The bike chase scene. Yeah. Sort of Goonies music as well. I don't know. There's something about the bike <laughs> and the canals. Like, it reminded me a bit of Terminator. Terminator 2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with you. James Cameron was into influenced by Inner Space. <laughs> well, maybe, um, you know, these things are all connected in some, in some way, shape or form form because you've got the guy is literally like someone copied the terminator and like tried to put him in the film but not have the terminator yeah and uh, they have that scene near that um aqueduct yeah it's got to be the same place hey yeah it must be the same place <laughs> so uh so i'm not surprised and the chase was so good though like they had tire shots and right right behind the bike and in front of the bike oh my god Really interesting camera placements. That's true. They did manage to make a bicycle chase energetic. <laughs> <laughs> and they end up at the mall. And I love um, Hollywood mall movie. You know, Hollywood, <laughs> how they portray the mall. It's just like, yeah. yeah. Bustling metropolis <laughs> with uh, elevators. It's always something is happening in a glass elevator. <laughs> <laughs> so dynamic, and then Martin Short's in the docks in the um. Uh, sorry, he's in the travel agent. That's right, organizing and his trip. That's away. where the line is. 
no excitement, Doctor's orders. Yeah. How about a little shipboard romance? Well, as long as it's not too exciting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, this is where we learn that uh, Igo has a gun in his finger. That was kind of cool. I forgot mm. about that. Yeah. He blows the smoke to that kid. Yeah. 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 And it's all about the reaction shots as well, because <laughs> the kid's got his like Rambo, you know, toy. M16. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Because all kids have to have weapons during those periods. Of time. <laughs> I think they they are real weapons now. But, yeah. Um, oh my gosh. Back then, I think they were plastic. And um, you find out that uh, Ozzy gets shot because you see the blood, so that's pretty tragic. And at this point, he bumps into Martin Short and injects him. Yep. Stabs him in the ass. <laughs> Martin Short kind of recovered pretty quickly from that too, for a hypochondriac. Yeah. 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 That was strange. A guy got shot and died in front of me, and I got stabbed in the ass. But I'm okay. <laughs> and then we see, yeah, I go disconnecting his robot hand. It's sort of like. Dr. Claw from yeah. Inspector Gadget. <laughs> I don't know. Does he say anything in this film? Uh, there's no dialogue. No, he's completely <laughs> dialogueless. So, what did you think of the first act? Frenetic is probably a word that I'd use for it because it's. I don't know. I wasn't really that engaged in the first act. Yeah, it's a little bit disjointed. I bet that too. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, in Silicon Valley, so why <laughs> yeah, is it? No, why? Well, it's just like, this is like the only time they use a transition. <laughs> to Silicon Valley, of all places. It's like they probably couldn't figure out how to connect it back. And it's clearly shot in LA <laughs> <laughs> with the canals. I don't know. Maybe it's not. But um, act two, I had Martin's troubles. I know short supply. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, is Act 3 going to contain a short joke? <laughs> All of Act 2 is. I, <laughs> just, I, two is. <laughs> I just hope they're short. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the last thing that I had basically was that Mr. Igo wasn't very good at his job. Yeah. Because he killed the scientist and he broke the syringe. <laughs> and no one comments on that. So, it just moves on. It's like he's got like metal for hands or something. I don't know. Yeah, he's pretty. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I had Act Two's a company. The electric feeling of being in a strange man. Oh, being in a strange man. <laughs> I like that. Because like the electricity that um, he projects outside. Yeah, of him. yeah, yeah. But I like the innuendo. Oh, there was innuendo? <laughs> <laughs> and we follow Martin back here to his work, which is just at the Safeway, like a Woolies for our Australian listeners. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love the Safeway. I love the boss. The boss is so cool, man. Oh, man, he's great. He's in the Burbs as well. Oh, as like one of I've the one of the this. bad guys. This is definitely he's definitely going to be a mug. Oh, the Burbs is awesome. You got to see it. And so he's telling Martin, get to work and register five. And Martin, we're shorthanded. <laughs> <laughs> and um, this woman just randomly- And he's had a dream about him. He had, he, He's actually not a hypochondriac. He just predicts the future. <laughs> yeah, he's a clairvoyant. Yeah. But I love the woman that goes, smell this. Well, go on. Oh, uh, yeah, it. I had that too. It's just that, just <laughs> completely random. This is what I mean. Like, I, I think that this wouldn't be as good a film if it didn't have all of these random side characters coming in and out, Absolutely. saying things that are just hilarious. And it just cuts there. It's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> His bewildered look. And I love Martin Short's scream there when he sees the red haired lady. <laughs> yeah. 
I was laughing out loud at that. <laughs> um, and he has that, um, what is he? He screams, uh, please, I beg of you for some aspirin. <laughs> <laughs> but your mate is saying, Jack, what have you done? Way to screw up, Jack. Right <laughs> 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 the top, man. Oh, man. And it's a gun. You find out the lighter is just... Um, it's a lighter. Yeah, and, yeah. And yeah, Tuck is inserted into <laughs> Martin. At this and point. that's where he goes, I'll be a son of a bitch. I'm in a strange man. Oh, not yet. Because he goes <laughs> to the, the optical vein. And, oh, that's um, right. Yeah, yeah. Some yeah. could say he was short sighted. Well, he was <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> and, um, but the boss goes, you got a great future ahead of you in retail food marketing. <laughs> I hate to see you throw it all away just by going psycho on us. <laughs> Love that guy. So yeah. funny. He is great. He's great. This is like really effeminate, soft-spoken yeah. man. And there, there's the lion. I'm in a man. I'm in a strange man. I'll be a son of a bitch. I'm in a strange man <laughs> in a strange room with strange strangers. And that's the strangest line. Oh, I don't know so what good. it is. It's a great line, but it just seems so... I don't know. There's something different about it from all the other lines in this film. Yeah. I, I guess it maybe it's that Dennis Quaid plays almost the straight man in this. Like, he's the alpha male in this. He's definitely the alpha yeah. And I think it was originally they thought it was going to be Arnie and Michael J. Fox. That's right. How <laughs> <laughs> good getting, would that been? That, oh, that would have been awesome. <laughs> this is getting heavy, dark. I'm in a strange man. I'm a- <laughs> <laughs> I'll be a son of a bitch. But the script's really funny. And um, I thought Dr. Ozzy looked a bit like Alan from Tron. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, but we find out the villains there. It's Margaret and... Uh, oh, but I, I love the bit where um, he goes, I'm possessed. It's not a demon. Demons talk through you, not to you. <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. And it starts with the elevator before that. It was like, I remember that from the promo. It's like, hello, can you hear me? <laughs> he's looking around. Oh, yeah, I that's th- right. I thought yeah, he was yeah. so convincing there. And when he's in the doctor's office... Um, they're asking him, we have to talk. Do we have to talk? <laughs> no, no, we don't have to talk unless you want to. <laughs> it's just got a really quick back and forth. Mm, uh, yeah, like yeah. That. Once again, side characters. Yeah. And um, there's lots of thought into his space because it sort of skips forward a bit into his apartment. He gets home mm. and he's got like a fish and he's got books about fish and there's a fish model. <laughs> oh, right. I didn't notice any of that except <laughs> and, for the fish tank. And um, there's magazines on like self-care and creative calm and <laughs> yoga. It's basically me. <laughs> <laughs> Jackpotter is me. You've got cat, you've got photography instead of fish, which I would argue yeah. is probably a little bit more interesting. I think I need to get a fish. Um. My brother has a fish. He's like totally into fish tanks. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, totally. What sort of fish? I don't know. I'm not into fish. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think tro- fish. tropical fish. Fish that are interesting for people who like fish. But we're seeing more and more of the inner world at this point, And I mm. found that so convincing. Like even now, um, 
like the it's like a cave structure and it reminded me a bit of descent do you remember that game oh yeah 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 Yeah, with the just the floatiness of it and like mm. the blood vessels and fat cells and you know the skin it just looked really realistic. it was really well done yeah yeah, yeah it was i i um the one thing about this film is just how often he cuts into the guy and <laughs> slices parts of him open and you're seeing the blood going outside yeah and i'm just wondering i wonder if like i don't know anything about medicine and i'd relish the idea of a doctor sending us an email and informing us of whether it's actually fine what was happening to him inside the body well i think scientifically um i read somewhere that if it, even if it was miniaturized it would still weigh the same and it would just punch a hole straight through him because <laughs> <laughs> miniaturization doesn't affect weight apparently really yeah <laughs> When you think about it, all the cells of a human are crammed just into a smaller space. Basically, so. you're increasing it. You're, the mass is maintained, but yeah. the space is the same. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, no, none of this would fly. Well, that um, that's if that actually happens. That's oh, if yeah. It, but yeah. it might decrease mass as well. You never know. Oh, yeah. True, true. I don't know. And at this point, Dennis Quaid, he's like, <laughs> he's messing with Martin. He's like sending those electric... Uh, zaps out in TV's world. Yeah, yeah. And it sets the TV on fire. You could say it was short circuited. <laughs> yeah, I think it was short circuited. <laughs> and um, I like when the bad guy comes in, and like at this point, it's starting the, the relationship between the two, and he's like, don't trust him. He's not a messenger. <laughs> I just, just like that. It was very X Files to actually, me. Actually, I'm just imagining, like when you said that, all I could think of was like a schizophrenic. Yeah, right. So, uh, like a guy walks in and and, and he's just hallucinated that the television's exploded. <laughs> like it hasn't actually exploded. He's just thought it has. And the guy comes in and he's just like, "Don't trust him. Don't stab, tr- him. stab him. Stab him. Stab him now." <laughs> it's like grab it, and he just grabs it. He doesn't think yeah, about it. Yeah, he does. It. Yeah, there's a voice in his head now and it's a more masculine alpha voice. Um, <laughs> and his pulse increases. I thought that was really well thought out. Like he's sort of, you know, Tuck had to battle with the, the insides of Martin as he's sort of getting excited. Oh, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. because the action's outside. So that increases his heart rate, which increases yeah. the action inside. That's true. That's really yeah. That's true. And then we move on. We find... Um, the ex-boss, I don't have his name, the black guy. I don't know either. <laughs> Pete, I think. <laughs> I just thought of him as the tall guy. Yeah, the tall guy. Because he's just really tall. <laughs> and, um, yeah, we find out because he, they can zoom in on, uh, his, what he's saying with the, I don't even know how that worked. I don't, look, man, I did not <laughs> question anything to do with electronics in this film. <laughs> because like i mean i mean you know this tiny little thing is able to destroy televisions and all of that type of stuff yeah it doesn't make a whole lot of sense i'm not questioning that i'm going with their understanding of physics in this that's as far as it goes (laughs) it's like i can hear them yeah i know now shut up and listen (laughs) i love that chemistry and it's like yeah you better you two-faced son of a bitch tuck says thank you yeah <laughs> i like that uh, he said uh, and the thing is i uh, just take a step back martin short in this 
is like he must have studied some type of um, martial art in this because he destroys all the bad guys in this. It does, right? With kicks and like it's really physical stuff. The first guy he meets with the gun. Yeah. But like he grabs the gun, but he doesn't just grab the gun. He knocks the guy out and he gives him a judo chop and, yeah. and leaves. He's fine there and he yeah, fights yeah, some yeah. other people later and he's... He's just, well, like, he doesn't need confidence. He just... It's true. He is pretty strong, hey. He's built like a... a Canadian. A short Bruce Lee. <laughs> Canadian Bruce Lee. <laughs> um, but, yeah, in this point, um, he actually says to Tuck, he says, like, be quiet for a second. I want to think this through. And it sort of makes you think, like, if there was a different voice in your head other than your own, um, and if you could control it, like, would you be a different person? Would you act differently? And I sort of wanted to ask you this, um, you know, people trying to change, like trying to be more alpha, mm. people that have are into photography, <laughs> trying to be more confident and into <laughs> yoga. How would you go about changing your inner voice? Well, there are, there are some um, psychological methodologies around. There's this thing called narrative therapy. Ah. Uh-huh. When I was studying a long back now, so I, I don't know whether people even still use it, but some of the theory is interesting where, you know, you have these characters or these personalities or these um, archetypes and you can have can imagine like role play a discussion with them. Uh. So, or some of the other things is that you envisage a, a certain part of you, like a role that you fill. Like if you imagine yourself at work, if you're a manager, you know, what is it to be a manager? And then sort of having a conversation with what you imagine yourself as a manager to be, like what would you say to them? What would they say back? Oh, wow. And it's actually a way of um, sort of exploring your expectations, your understanding of that role, um, what you would like to change in your life. So there, there are actual methodologies in counseling and psychology that actually uh, adopt the idea that not that you have a voice in your head, but there is uh, a separate part of you that you can pull out and talk to. Often they also do that thing with things like depression and anxiety. You imagine anxiety or depression as a, a black cloud or something that is external to you so that you think of it as something that is not part of you, but something that is separate that you can talk to and or work out of you. Oh, I see. I was wondering because you also have, as well as psych, experience with some improv acting. And I was wondering if it's a similar thing to acting. It's like... A different persona, maybe. I think there is an element where there are archetypes. Or archetype is like you know the wizard or the um, the prince or you know the um, the adventure or the the youth or I can't really think of what actual archetypes there are, except for the wise old man. You know the Yoda, the Ben Kenobi, the um, what is it, Gandalf. <laughs> The wizard. The wizard, yeah. <laughs> the Dumbledore. Yeah, the Dumbledore. I don't know about Dumbledore because, um, you know, he basically wanted Harry Potter to die. But... Um, I'll just have Sir Ian McKellen. Sir Ian McKellen. That'll do. That'll, do. That'll work. But um, the idea is, is that they embody certain attributes. Mm. Um, so, when you do improv, if you're able to draw on characters that fit certain attributes that you've assigned to them, it's easier to adopt that persona ah. because you're not just pulling one element, you're pulling a whole bunch of elements that are together in a, like a package. Ah, gotcha. 
But um, I don't, to be able to do that is actually quite a skill. Well, the reason I bring it up, because I just started the photography group again and I had to do some modeling because there's no one else. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you need to create something because I realized yeah, now- Yeah, I think, you know what it's called? Photoshop. No, it's um, it's not just that because I'm a master at that. I can make <laughs> like a really small room look massive. Um, but there's something in the eye. There's something distinctive you need to create, and that's acting. And it's also like good acting. Like when you can see that Aussie's not an actor, you can tell straight away something in the eyes. But I just wonder how they create that. And I wondered if you had experience in in creating that sort of persona the the thing is is i've never really gotten any feedback on my own uh, improv capability but i would say that uh, i i probably wouldn't be a, a professional to talk to about that yeah um but uh i, I would say pro- probably more than anything if a person's able to draw on emotions um and ways of acting that people can relate to but also give it something else that they would aspire to or that they recognize as a a strong characteristic of some something like something that they hate or fear or would like to be then that gives it a bit of distinctiveness Mm -hmm. so i guess it's in modeling if you're able to see not just the beauty of a person but they're expressing an emotion or some type of Thing that you connect with that's probably that distinctiveness that a person's really looking for and something that's different that's a bit more than just it's attractive or beautiful yeah that's true so yeah that's pretty much my thoughts on on that um what about I'm, you i just did a really growly model voice i know <laughs> i loved it i loved it yeah, to clear my voice. Uh, i didn't want to say anything because i was waiting to i was waiting to listen to it again it was just like no but that's absolutely true and the archetype thing really fascinates me too do do you identify with any archetypes derek yeah the mutton short jack (laughs) (laughs) i'm not sure what archetype that would be the nice guy it's the nice guy (laughs) yeah you are a very nice guy i gotta say so that's true that's true well, back to the movie, because um, it's not really a deep movie. I'm just trying to create Yeah, something. it's kind of hard. It, you must admit, like, you know, like, what existential crisis can this bring up in a person when they're watching this? It's just maybe there are little people inside us. <laughs> or not, hypochondria. We could talk about that, but I don't think we should because I'm feeling a bit sick right now. <laughs> I threw up before I even started this thing. <laughs> Um, but he jumps in the Mustang and wow, that looked cool. Uh, mm. the convertible Mustang. My brother's got a red Mustang now. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. Well, w- once again, he's showing like he can drive a car pretty damn well. Yeah. And it starts off being a, like a manual, but then it's an auto later. <laughs> <laughs> but I love like, um, just the relics of the eighties here. The Sony tape player, the styrofoam chicken McNuggets black packet, <laughs> Um, and yeah, that's where the sort of, they escape basically with, uh, Tuck's car and he gets back to Martin's. Yeah. He gets back to Tuck's place and he yeah. wants a swig of Southern comfort. Yeah. That's where, and that's where, you know, we get to, um, the alcoholism kicks in quite well. <laughs> and I love how he just cleans the bottle with his shirt after smelling it. <laughs> Takes a swig. It's like, Oh, Oklahoma, <laughs> 
after swigging. Uh, it's Martin. You can tell I'm a fan. <laughs> what I found cool was when they're dancing on the monitors, you can actually see Jack's view and he's dancing like he's on the piano at the same time. That's attention to detail, man. I oh, really, really like that. Yeah. I didn't um, notice that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, we sort of skip forward. It's like back at Lydia's office and there's this black guy. <laughs> Dwayne with the checkered shirt and the red tie and the mo. Did you notice that guy? I just thought he was just a typical guy, really. <laughs> typical guy. Oh, it was so 80s. No, but everyone's so 80s. I, look, there are parts in this that are a lot more 80s than other things. Yeah. I must admit, I didn't notice that. Oh, actually, you know, I think I did notice the checkered shirt. I thought it was, you know, that's a good shirt. Dwayne and then so they meet Lydia and she's sort of trying to get on board to save Tark and um, then he's getting the inner dialogue again it's got you gotta be aggressive dominate the situation don't be a wuspus oh be me. my god be aggressive be dominating the, those are definitely the great tenets of what came out of the 80s you know and he slams the cup when he says that though and the ice goes everywhere <laughs> I just like the cure for being drunk through physical abuse. Oh, man. And I, But I love the scene where he's talking to himself in the toilet and he's looking down. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. What does he say? What's so bad about being small? Play with it. Don't doctor it. Yeah. So good. You're not going to be small forever. <laughs> <laughs> you might be short, though. Oh, yes, um. yes. <laughs> And Snap-on comes at this point, grabs Jack, Lizzie, Lydia tasers him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She, she's bumbling too. Yeah, it's got that slapstick sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> but Snap-on's car gets towed. Yeah. It's not even Snap-on, it's Igo, sorry. Uh, well, what was it? No, hang on. Wasn't that his, uh, the license plate? His license plate was, was Snap-on. Snap yeah. yeah. There's something with the license plate in this. Everyone has license plates that say something. Well, it's the next scene. It's like Mr. Scrimshaw in yeah. Sub-Zero. <laughs> Sub-Zero, that's it. Mr. Scrimshaw, I love this guy. Oh, I love him, man. And then we find out it's Dr. Kanker, Margaret Kanker. And she's saying things like, oh, I know how to warm him up. Oh, God. Did, was before, was it before then the vibrator scene? Oh, it's after. No, yeah, shortly after. With Margaret. <laughs> and he takes off the, the hand and puts on something and it just vibrates. It starts to vibrate. Oh, yeah, God. CD. So bad. Oh, just for the adults, that one. <laughs> but um, this is where um, Mr. Scrimshaw sets up the miniaturization thing. It's like spaces of flop. Miniaturization, that's the edge everyone's been looking for. And it actually reminded <laughs> me, like, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids was two years later and it had Rick Moranis. Oh, really? Yeah. It was two years later. It was true. It sort of set off this new sort of <laughs> this frontier of trying to milk the audience. <laughs> 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 yeah and that's true that everything had to be all the sets had to be massive for small people <laughs> and that's where the this is your moment jack scene comes in yeah it's it's um that's a another scene that just seems to come out of nowhere for me oh yeah yeah i i think what it is is that for me martin short didn't quite sell the hypochondriac because yes he's worried about his health but then he beats people up he drives cars really fast and well yeah and like he's a and um He's not super uncertain. Yeah. Like he's he's manic and he's perturbed, 
But he's not like, I'm a horrible person. I can't do this. I can't do that. Yeah. He's not down on himself, which uh, is fine. But like that down on him changing to be more assertive, I guess, is a bit more subtler in this than than um, I would expect for this film. Yeah, that's very true. Who would you sort of cast ideally? Um, I think it was more to do with script than to do with actor. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think it was more just the script didn't play with his lack of his his self-esteem that much yep 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 a lot of people saying stuff to him but he was not reacting to them in a way like he wasn't using any type of language that was sort of really down on himself oh gotcha there wasn't much time to either because he's sort of it's very action oriented because the next the next thing he's jumping out the back and he goes i can see it he's like no no not yet wait till it stops yeah I love that that car chase scene. Yeah, again, like the bike goes through his legs, taking a shortcut through his legs, <laughs> and um, he's balancing on the windshield. So over the top, man. When he like finally gets off the truck, they draw it out as much as they can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That there's like a repeat of the same scene almost a few times. Oh wow! But we meet the cowboy soon after that. <laughs> and that and that place, that place that he got. So they escape. Um, and they go to meet the cowboy who's going to, what is it, buy the chip? Yeah, and um, you have some background with this. You know him, right? The actor? Yeah, ro- uh, Robert Picardo, who's yeah. from Star- is the doctor from Star Trek. It's really hard to see a character who's playing a bad guy. Uh, not only a bad guy, but like of some type of descent. Um, <laughs> uh, who plays a really straight white man character in yeah. with who's balding in a later oh, film yeah, in Star yeah. Trek wow. yeah yeah he's just like so not the character he's playing he's in this brilliant man he's sort of he is he, good though he grabs his shoe polisher and it's shaped like a gun and he goes up to the mirror yeah and he's like I'm a, I'm, I'm a cowboy who does not use horses and uh, oh. it's like he just loves oh. he just loves the character of being a cowboy rather than actually doing anything <laughs> that is what a cowboy would do. <laughs> and they go to Club Inferno and you, we see Wendy from Safeway there. Well, the, I thought that looked like the place from Wayne's World. It's so 80s, man. Yeah. With the pink gels and the smoke oh, and God. the lasers. The frizz oh, hair. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> And that's where they do that dancing thing, the swaying with the yeah. clicking. And the cowboy's doing spins and he yeah. throws his hat away. Just yeah. Randomly. <laughs> and he lassos Lydia in. Oh, God. Yeah, it's so <laughs> bad. But it is good. It is good in that it's so bad. <laughs> Women love me, but you know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I make love with my boots on. And number two, what's number two, man? What is it? Oh, I'd imagine it has something to do with um, personal hygiene. <laughs> Contraception, surely. <Yeah. laughs> I always use a contraceptive. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer them ribs to not slap. Oh, no. <laughs> And uh, at this point, yeah, they sort of knock him out and um, Tuck... Oh, sorry, no. Tuck stimulates Martin's adrenal gland. So, Martin's getting short-tempered here. <laughs> and um, he punches the cowboy. He's like, hey, Big Jack, don't knock, just come. Yeah. <laughs> Bursts <laughs> open the champagne in his face. So gross. Yeah. <laughs> He's in his underwear and the boots. <laughs> uh, he was a really good character, the cowboy. I love that. He was really good. And they had to get someone who was actually going to be able to play Martin Short. 
I mean, he did so well. He did hey, a really good what job. What was yeah. that with the face alteration? Oh, uh, that was so was like total recall. There, man. It was, but it was like, what the hell is this movie now? It just takes you out of it. It was like I a thought. horror film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but where they sort of, Mr. Scrimshaw is like uh, oh, setting it up man. for the exchange I love now. Where they cut to the scene where he's talking to his dog. And he's just. Oh, he said. Um, he said. Uh, what do you say? What do you say? What do you say? Never beg. Never beg. <laughs> the dog <laughs> begs. Oh, it's so yeah. good. I just love that character so much, and I love it where he picks up his phone and he talks to I don't know who, and then he hangs up, and then it cuts to where he is, and he's in a warehouse, and just in a corner part of that warehouse is where he's set up. So random and w- it's so weird. random, and there's swans out the front when they drive up. <laughs> it's all white, and like they're eating raw eggs. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> but the set dressing, I think, because they're all sort of dressed in white and there's orange juice and Margaret's wearing a bit of yellow. So it's sort of, yeah, it's all really works, I think. It's Yeah, it's so peculiar. It's good. And, and when he's doing that thing and his face is going, well, sorry, this is afterwards, but, you know, when his face starts turning back and the guy goes, deliver us from Satan. <laughs> Did you say that? <laughs> it's gold. It's so gold. And then they chuck him in the dungeon. Then he bumps his head into this metal thing and he goes, oh, great. Going to have tetanus now. <laughs> I just love that. <laughs> well, I like it also how like the first half of the film is establishing that this microchip can't be touched by human hands. And like he picks it up with tweezers and then that, they, they just chuck it into dog, dog food. And yeah. Guy goes into it and it's just like from then on it's established that it really doesn't need to be touched by no. They make a joke of it at the end yeah, where it's yeah. like that robot thing. Um, but at this point, there's sort of this weird thing with Lydia and um, they kiss. Yeah. And what is it with the, <laughs> I need a moment alone here? You know, it's like uh, of all the times when you say, I need a moment alone here. This is the one time when you would not say you can have a moment alone. It it's makes just, no sense. It's just like. And I don't I, know if Lydia is thinking that it's actually Tuck, you know, either. When she kisses him nice. and he's yeah, not kissing it's Jack, it's really just really bizarre. strange. But it's all about being transferred, I think. They're just trying to move that bit forward. Yeah, they had to do something for bodily transference. Yeah. But I, I just would have thought that the, they could have made it a bit clearer because she literally was just falling in love with anyone who used certain lines on her. Oh, my gosh. No, Lydia. Yeah, she, it's like she'd been conditioned. <laughs> <laughs> Like even at the beginning of the film, the guy the guy says a few lines and she's like, I'll sleep with you now. Yeah, she puts on the song and it's like, Oh yeah, Pavlov's dog. Okay. <laughs> but Igo gets miniaturized and sent off to Tuck and um Yeah, it looks really goofy, I thought, <laughs> when he's in that ship, Igo. He's just got his face and that's all you can see. I love his smile though. His smile's good. His evil smile. And I have another question. Really important question. They are trying to sell the microchip, right? Yeah. Why would they go to the effort to create a micro creation lab if they were just going to sell the microchip? Yeah, that's a good point. Big hole there. <laughs> it's like enormous hole. <laughs> it's like there's a, a hole that you could put a short man through. Oh, the re... No, they needed two to reanimate them. Yeah, but they were going to sell them, weren't they? So they could... Hmm... Yeah, wow, it's awful. And you missed my short joke, man. Oh, I totally missed it. What yeah, was that? Yeah, it. 
Man, it's gone. The moment's gone. How can I tell you it now? It's like, oh, short changed. <laughs> no, I said a hole big enough to put a short man through. Ah. Uh... <laughs> Sorry. I apologize. And, and I am going to have to cut this now. <laughs> um, but is that... But- when's Act 3? Uh, I had it towards the very end. It's a very strange film um, because I still thought this was still Act 2 because... They're still battling, I thought. Like, Yeah, um, I, I was confused as to when Act 2 kicked in because I, I thought it was about... Uh, I figured it might have been when they were, you know, they were trapped underneath, you know, together, when they're all together and there's the kissing and stuff. Yeah. I figured Act 3 was when Igo gets dissolved. Oh, really? Yeah. It's because that's the major arc being resolved. Right, right. Did you have a name here? Um... Yeah, I did. Go uh-huh. on. Um, it was Act Threesome. A toxic man, a bipolar woman, and a hysterical man-child all get busy. Busy. <laughs> busy. Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, it's true, toxic man. And um, this is where sort of they finally, she gets her strength, Lydia. And she gets the gun and it's like, let him go. And she's cold as ice there. And I... For that one moment in this whole film, I go, there's my Meg. And then gone in a matter of seconds, she asks Martin, okay, now what do we do? It's like, aww. <laughs> <laughs> she had the gun and all the control and the line and the look. And then it's all gone. What do we do now, Martin? Uh, well, you know, Martin Short, he's, uh, he's the brains of the operation, isn't he? <laughs> but um, I liked the little bad guys in here. It's like, don't know, don't worry. They won't know how to close it. Closes. <laughs> 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 I'll get you for this, Margaret. I'll get you next time, Gadget. <laughs> um, oh, and did you notice when um, the uh, machine was getting activated, they had the War of the Worlds sound effect in it? Oh, was it? Yeah, the sound effect from the heat ray. Oh, that really high-pitched whirring. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That'd be Joe Dante. He loves ripping off other people's sound effects. <laughs> no, no, he paid for it. Um, but at that point they're 50% and I, this is when I knew it was a Derek movie because there's little people. <laughs> <laughs> and they, uh, and then of course all the voices, because they got a, oh uh, yeah, yeah, little yeah. people, it's little voices. Design. Yeah. Yeah. And they escape. And, um, I, I have a question for you because they get to the stairs and he's playing music in her ears. Mm. How do you go from the womb to the mouth? Oh, yeah. Through the blood, I guess. He's done it before. But he kisses her. One one moment he's in her womb and the next, well, she kisses Martin Short and he's transferred Well, again. when you think about it, blood trans is like pumped really quick. The heart's pretty powerful. If he gets in a vein, he could just go bam. Oh, that's true. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'll follow that. That's a, Not to be scientific or anything. That is enough of a logical leap for me. <laughs> I'm happy with that. <laughs> Um, but it was probably edited out. They probably had like a two-hour journey because it was a Goldberg <laughs> score. <laughs> <laughs> journey from the womb to the mouth. Maybe the bodily transference was not through the mouth. <laughs> oh, yuck. Um, but I like the bit where he's like, Tuck, help me, make me strong. And like, he's not even there. Tuck, give me the strength of 10 men. And he punches him out, but he's not there. I like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But then he's like... Hi, Mr. Killer. <laughs> when the baddie wakes up. Yeah. And then he still knocks him out. Yeah. Because he's Martin Short. 
Yeah. And there's the, like a, it's sort of skipping forward, but there's the midget car scene with <laughs> the minster in the back. And they have this big battle. Um, so slapstick. There's, they oh, do yeah. a Three Stooges yeah. eye poke thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Cutting um, between a set that's like, two times the size of a person and then backwards and forwards again. Yeah. <laughs> and, and eventually there's a battle between Igo and Tuck and um, Igo gets digested. Oh, it's so good. So good. <laughs> this was my act three. Martin, keep the ending short and sweet. I love it. And it sort, of, it sort of was. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Just love it. It's awesome. But I've, I've, Dennis Quaid was like spending the whole movie in the cockpit for this. It just sort of dawned on me, <laughs> the whole movie, <laughs> except for the start. It's just in this tiny yeah, little Yeah, he's basically like a narrator almost. Mm, he's like a Morgan Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well. You got to sneeze and the hairspray. Uh, Man, so what's with that sneeze bit? Like the, yeah. there was no even preparation to catch him after he sneezed. Yeah, it was meant to be a moment too. And it was just nothing. It felt really forced. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. He, I like the moose. Oh, yeah. yeah they give him moose instead <laughs> okay. of the hairspray. Oh, nice. And the, this is the chip gag where they're waiting for the arm and he finally puts it in with his hand. Yeah. But it was weird with the eat me, drink me thing. That was, yes, yeah, completely out of the blue. It's from The Exorcist, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I like that line. Is that what they say? <laughs> yeah. I miss yeah. that. I yeah, miss yeah. that. It's from Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, yeah. But finally he gets out and he sees Jack and he hugs him. Would you like a cigar, <laughs> Cuban? <laughs> yeah. And they get married in the next shot. Yeah. And the way that they act... Is almost like they literally went from the lab to the wedding. Yeah. Because when they're heading off, Martin's like, oh, you know, this adventure we've been on together. It's just like, has he been with them? Like, (laughs) 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 he's literally attached to them from now on. (laughs) Like, it really should be inner space, in inner space too. It should just be reversed and be perfectly content. I wish there was a sequel. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> um, the duck, I'm cured. Wendy, not a chance. Mr. Wormwood, thank you. And I quit. Yeah. Jack Potter to the rescue. It's so over the top. Yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. twisting the night away with Rod Stewart. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> and, uh, you know, for, and the cowboy has put the, uh, the miniature bad guys in the trunk. Yeah. And they head off into the sunset. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And in the credits, it's got like Martin Short's interiors produced that industrial light yeah. magic. <laughs> I like that. But that was pretty much it. It's nothing groundbreaking. Yeah. Well, what is it on your nostalgia meter? <laughs> oh, it's pretty high. Like, I like the special effects. They're still incredible. And I still find Martin genuinely funny, like the script as well. Like, I laughed it loud in parts of this but it feels really long and like there are some inconsequential things that slowed it down <laughs> i don't know um what did you think um i must admit i wasn't totally blown away by by the film i it was a real 80s film yeah it was a real like there's something about 80s comedies yeah and you, like you could literally take out the the terrible fashion the shoulder pads dress everyone up in the 20 like in modern day garb 
and it would still feel like an 80s film if you had the same plot and story and and um characters and yeah. script what do you think that thing is if you had to put your finger on it i would say it's the comedy duo mm. between martin short and dennis quaid you know there's the straight man and the the bumbling funny man that's really true there's the female who is very strongly um dependent on the male love interest mm, yeah uh, and there's the very hammy bad guys you know like mr igo and margaret who you know the very stereotypical bad guys i think <laughs> the thing that distinguishes it for me is like mr scrimshaw i thought he was like one of the one of the best characters i loved him yeah so good and the doctor um, just these side characters, I think if it wasn't for those side characters, I think it would be a lot less of a good film. I think that's what Joe Dante does well. He gets a good cameo and <laughs> he milks it. <laughs> like even the taxi driver at the start. Yeah. <laughs> it, you almost feel like he's going to have more of a role in the film. <laughs> <laughs> you would want to at the end, you know, he's driving them away in the limo or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Yeah. Well, um, yeah, so I, I enjoyed it, but I like it was a bit of an 80s comedy for me that, um, yeah. you know, not really a hugely repeatable movie. No. Well, thanks for watching it because ever since we came up with the premise of the mug, it was always high on my short list. It's a very busy laugh. Busy. <laughs> Thanks, though, <laughs> for watching this. Oh, look, man, it, it was a short film, so it's all good. <laughs> it was two hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, uh, well, I didn't want to say it was a long film. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, th thank you for suggesting. It was good It was good fun to watch and do a bit of research on. And, yeah. and uh, you know, I did have a bit of fun with um, things. So, I enjoyed Microsoft Cock. It was good. <laughs> Um, so what have we got next though uh next is a joint custody mog it's aladdin from 1992 looking forward to that one looking forward yeah. to that one yeah good favorite. so there's a remake coming out in 2019 yeah and it's directed by guy ritchie and it's got will smith <laughs> oh, it's crazy guy ritchie is the guy who did snatch you remember that? Oh, uh, yeah. And, but he also oh. did Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, and, yeah. And uh, what was it? But it's really gritty, so I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's Aladdin, man. Lots of slow-mo, fast-paced shots. <laughs> but um, He's a pikey. He's filthy and rude. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I can't, like, I can't, ima I can't imagine, um, you know, it's like Will Smith. I, I think they should have replaced Will Smith with Keanu Reeves. In it, you know, <laughs> just a full white cast. Yeah, well, I mean, Keanu, it, they almost had Will Smith for the Matrix. So, um, yeah, wow, and that's awesome. and it was turned around thanks to Keanu Reeves, even though yeah. He... <laughs> yeah anyway, I haven't Keanu. seen it yet, so we'll see how it goes. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks very much. Thanks for listening. Thanks again. Thanks for listening as uh, well. Um, and uh, yeah, insert catchphrase here. <laughs> Good night. Nice. Stop him. Stop him.